Welcome to the Freedom Founder Podcast, the show that provides a platform for self-made entrepreneurs to share their stories on how they got where they are today. If you're a budding entrepreneur or a business owner looking for further inspiration, education, or motivation, then look no further. This is the show for you. And now, let's get started with your host, Zach Duggar. Welcome to the Freedom Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Duggar. The statistics from the CDC report that one in 36 children are diagnosed with autism, which has substantially increased since I've seen those numbers over the last 20 years. Now, my guest today, Michelle Grantham, works in the, works in the field of working with children with autism, working with families, and has been doing so for a number of years now. Now, Michelle, I want to thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be absolutely, here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when we start in our early childhood, <clears throat> we don't always have that true picture of what we're going to be when we're older and what we dream <laughs> to be. What did you want to be when you were young? Uh, well, when I was in third grade, I wanted to be a teacher because I had an amazing teacher. Okay. Um, she would write, we had like a little mini notebook that we would write notes to each other back and forth throughout the day in class. And I just thought that was so amazing that she yeah. loved me and wanted to just pour into me like that. And, um, ever since then I wanted to be a teacher and okay. that kind of changed throughout the years. But then when I was in middle and high school, um, I decided for sure I wanted to be a special ed teacher. So that's okay. kind of how it all started. Yeah. Well, I wanted to be a race car driver and that didn't happen. <laughs> but, but. Hey, it's never too late. <laughs> well, my, my wife would beg to differ on that. Yeah. I should probably not go into that route, a little yeah. danger. But so on that path of wanting to become a teacher, starting with somebody who is an inspiration for you in your early elementary years, I, I think that that led to then that thought process of, I do want to pursue this path, like you said, in high school. So, and then you said special education. Why special education in particular? Um, great question. So my mom stayed home with us, four kids, mm -hmm. until my oldest brother was old enough to drive. And then she got out of the house for a little bit and did some work finally. Um, mm -hmm. So she went to work at a respite care facility okay. for kids with different challenges and needs. And um as a result of that, we just spent a lot of time with those kids. Um, okay. So we just had a great time with them. They'd come to our house. We'd see them in the community. We'd go visit them at her work. Um, and for some reason, the kids with autism, just something about them. I just fell in love and um, had the opportunity. My as soon as I turned 14 and was able to, like, get an actual job besides babysitting. Yeah. Um, I went to work at Croydon Avenue School in the summer okay. program, and I was a para essentially with some kids with autism. So um, it just kind of started there and transpired. Okay. And for someone who wouldn't know what Croydon Avenue School is, can you tell us a little bit about that school and, and what it sure. at this point was? I don't think it's the same as it used Correct. to be, but. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Woods Edge now. Uh, so it's a school for kids with 
different abilities um, and needs. And it's basically, um, I want to say like three to adulthood. I don't know exactly what the age group mm -hmm. is, but something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So different classrooms, different programs, they have a pool, a gym, um, and then all the all the programs that are needed for kids with special needs. Okay. So you were at an early age involved in that, not only in the work that you started to do, but also from the exposure that you had with your mother being in a field of respite care and working with individuals that had uh, different abilities and uh, some children with autism. So you kind of had that, that uh, opportunity to get engaged at an early age. Yeah. It was amazing. Okay. Very thankful. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, special education then, of course, that requires you to go on, pursue a degree and to um, go through the student teaching process and, um, and, and the years that it takes to get there. So talk about that a little bit as far as what, what was the, the process like for you? Did you ever have any back and forth thoughts of I don't know if I want to be a teacher, uh, maybe this isn't my path, or was it always that, you know, confirming that route that you were on? Um, I definitely am passionate about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. um, I looked into, like about halfway through my college degree, I was looking into uh, universal design, which is design concepts for housing and um, okay. buildings, essentially, that will support people with any level of need, wheelchairs or okay. um, inability to to move freely on their own. I yep. thought that was very fascinating. Um, but it was a little late in the game to make that transition. I would have basically been starting over. <laughs> so yeah. um, I thought, well, maybe someday that'll happen. And I still have hope because I'm, I still yeah. love design and architecture. So um, that was the only real thing that I ever thought about changing. I mm -hmm. really loved what I was doing. I love kids and um, I was very passionate about it. So I just continued to pursue that. Okay. And now, now you are doing something a little bit different, but did you work as a special education teacher after you finished school? I did. I did for um, only three years, which okay. doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're in it, it seems like a very long time. Um, and I just had some negative experiences in the school system, uh, finding okay. myself very disappointed with um, the services that weren't provided. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I fully believe that teachers and staff at schools love children and have their best yeah. interests at hand. Um, but the behind the scenes parts of the school, the politics of the school keeps them from really being able to do what is best for kids all the time. So um, I just I realized during those teaching years that there were a lot of things missing that families and kids really needed. And I just felt like this is not the place for me because when I try to do something that's beyond what is in school, yeah, it, it wasn't received well. And um, that was really disappointing to me. And I was like, you know what, I got to get out of here and go do something else. So yeah. I don't know how much detail you want, but I'll, I can make it quick if you want to know the full story. Um, I was set on finding the cause and cure of autism at the time. Okay. I just had like this yep. idea in my head. I was very young, fresh out of college and full of ideas. And um, 
I tried to get into a lot of different research programs at different universities, and it was really difficult yeah. because you have to have research experience to do research. <laughs> and I didn't have any, so I kind of felt like, where do I start? And so then I, I ended up having an opportunity to work with Autism Speaks. So I moved out west and um, was with them for a little bit and realized that data and anything to do with that is just not my jam. So I love being with the families in their homes, in the community, helping with school um, and kind of closing some of those gaps that exist in those areas. So I came back and I started doing some social skills and rec programams for kids and and inviting their peers because it's such Mm -hmm. a massive part of their success. And um, that worked for a while until it ran out of funding. And then I received another opportunity to go work on a litigated case, um, one of the largest litigated cases in the history of special education, which was um, a gift to gain that experience. But it was also very difficult um, for many other reasons. Um, And it just became um, unhealthy for me mentally and emotionally to continue that. And I just felt like I really had this burning desire to start this gig on my own Mm -hmm. again and really dive into the community and start filling gaps. So I left that job. Um, In the interim, I kind of started with another therapy company and I wrote a program called The Sandbox, which is an all-inclusive ABA program with all the therapies, education, all the things in one. Um, And that's been running for several years. Um, And then after that, I started my business again, Autism Forward. Okay. Okay. All Mm -hmm. right. So what gave the opportunity to really take that leap into moving forward with Autism Forward again? Oh, good question. Um, I was you know, after the change out of that therapy company and writing that program, um, I just knew that I needed to, I just needed to do it. I just felt so passionate about it. And I know that there are so many families who, you know, from receiving a diagnosis at a young age and not knowing what to do to their child's an adult and they're receiving a diagnosis and really don't know what to do um, Mm -hmm. to these kids who are kind of in the middle and, living at home in their late teens, early twenties, they become comfortable there and don't want to leave. And so there are just a lot of things that there's, there are no programs for. And I wanted to be able to support families through that. So I guess to fully answer your question directly, filling the need for families, um, helping them to feel empowered and hopeful for their child and the family that they have always wanted. Okay. And so how do you, how do you actually then find the opportunity to work with uh, families? I mean, I, I know people who have desired to do certain types of service businesses, but getting started can sometimes be challenging in that you need to have clients, you need to have income to be able to Mm-hmm. live off of and support. I mean, we can have as much passion and desire as anybody could ever have, but without that actual ability to do the work through having the clientele to work with, mm-hmm. it's hard to actually do anything, right? So how, <clears throat> how did you get started with, um, with gaining that clientele to be able to then 
provide that support and service that you are seeing that was lacking and be able to more individualize what you were doing as you had wanted to. Okay. Um, well, as I was writing the business plan and kind of going through that whole process, which can be very lengthy, mm -hmm. um, I put an ad on care.com <laughs> okay. and I started there and, um, and I found one family and from there, a few other families came by word of mouth. And, um, then I reconnected with someone that my mom used to work with in the field of education, special education, yeah. mm -hmm. um, who had been working for you at that time. Um, and when she went on maternity leave, uh, they needed someone to cover for her um, uh -huh. families. So I worked with her families and then it just continued from there, um, which was a tremendous blessing. Um, to have the opportunity because although I did have a small base of private families, sure. um, it wasn't in the area that I wanted to be in necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't moving as rapidly as I had hoped. So yeah. the other opportunity came to me at a, a perfect time. Um, as you mentioned, financially, you know, you can only yeah. do so much with a few clients. So yep. Uh, it was a tremendous gift to me at that time to be able to step into that role. Um, and I found that that was my niche. That was where I needed to be. And that was, you know, I feel like God procured that for me, for my business. Excellent. Yeah. So it was great testing ground too then. So you're kind of thrown in with the clientele that someone else had already been working with, but mm -hmm. being able to then really just get engaged and work with them and continue the good work that the other person had been doing. So, so it sounds like we have to thank that child for being born, yeah. <laughs> for giving the opportunity to, yes. to put this other person on, um, on a little bit of a leave from, from the work yeah. that she was doing. Yeah. So, yeah. And that then allowed you to continue to, to springboard on into the future. And as you briefly mentioned, we, we did work together, uh, for that period of time, um, as you had taken over for that other employee's uh, caseload, essentially in the work that she was doing, and and then continued to help other families as she returned after that period of time. Um, now, that allowed some kind of a springboard into gaining a larger base of clientele in an area that you were looking to work in and finding your niche. Where has that taken you from that point? And how, where are things now with what work you are doing? So I am um, working in other counties now. Okay. So I've expanded a little bit there. Um, I have a waiting list currently of 63 families in addition to the families that I'm working with wow. now. Um, so you know, I, I had a meeting yesterday and they asked when I'm going to hire people to start helping because <laughs> this wait list is becoming a little bit crazy, um, similar to ABA wait list. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm just I'm the word of mouth and um, just the opportunity to contract with other providers has been massive. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes that blessing it rains, you know, and mm -hmm. when it rains, it pours. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. You said that God procured that opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the timing at which we think that some things are going to occur 
isn't necessarily our timing, but when it starts happening, <laughs> be ready. So yeah, it does sound like you have opportunity now where if you were to decide or desire to do so, you could even move into becoming an employer and working with another person uh, to help and come alongside you and working with these families. Is that something that you have considered doing? Or are you kind of more of a, I mean, it's not, take it from me. It's not for everybody <laughs> to have employees and, and work alongside of, of people that are under your direction. But at the same time, um, I know you have a big heart for people and, and seeing that need to continue to uh, address those needs in the present tense. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so I have a few thoughts on that. Um, sure. I think about it every day, hiring yeah. people, because there is such a tremendous need. And when I think about it, a few challenges that come to mind are, it adds more work for me because then those people have to be trained and sure. all the, HIPAA paperwork and just all of the things that come with that, that I feel like I'd have to hire someone else to do HR. And there's, so it just, you know, adding one person creates adding five other people, as you know, it's just this, it just doesn't stop. And um, at the same time, there is such a massive need. I've been reeling with how I can take a week off, for example, and just dive into it and make that happen. Yeah. At the same time, um, probably 12 or 13 years ago, I had an idea for an autism center and I wanted to open a nonprofit and I started yeah. talking to some people about it, having some meetings about it. And the big step is identifying your board. And despite being well-connected in the community, I couldn't identify anyone that I felt like might understand and be as passionate about it as me. And I think that's my whole problem with hiring someone too, is that I want these families to have the best support possible. And I'm not saying by any means that it's just me. I know there are other people out there who love and want to support these families and their kids. It's just hard to identify them. So I have the same difficulty in both scenarios. But back to the nonprofit, I'm currently working on those plans um, and putting that together. So I waver between do I just keep pouring into this business end or do I just keep kind of chugging along while I'm doing this plan for the nonprofit and then pour the resources into that arena because that's really the direction that we're headed. It's a pretty massive project. Um, I currently have it laid out in three phases. So it'll be... I mean, depending on the funding that we can get, you know, five to 10 years, I don't know. It could take a really long time. Um, but that's kind of where my head is at. So it, I definitely yeah. want to bring some people on board, but there are different challenges that are presented with doing so. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I can, I can really relate to that too, where you are doing the work that you are and doing it with excellence. And anyone that you have involved in working with you, you want to see that same level of excellence and same hearts and compassion and passion and commitment mm -hmm. behind the work that they are doing as well. So that that does take that pulls you away from your current work to be able to try to get that person and knowing that it doesn't always work out, mm -hmm. then it pulls <laughs> more time to find another person. So 
there's a balance there and with the work that you're doing with a nonprofit on getting that established and planning and building up the board and finding other individuals who have that similar mindset, which is also challenging, does make it. So you have, you have some considerations to make, but knowing that you are continuing to do the good work you do with the families that you're serving. And as you're able to add on another client, add in another family, you do so. And another one, they, they transition out for various reasons. So you're able to bring another one in. So mm -hmm. I, I love that you are able to continue to push into that passion and also begin to branch out into these additional passions of this autism center and the, the work that you will be doing there. Can you share a little bit more about the goals and directions of that? Is it, because when I hear autism center, most, most often people are referring to early intensive intervention with children at the preschool age. So, mm -hmm. so where, where's the current direction with that? If you're able to share any of it. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, you know, a massive area of need right now are teenagers and young adults. There are so many programs out there for the young, early identified children and um, kind of that elementary age. And now ABA does cover up to 21. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's really not much. And um, it's not, you know, the programs for adults with special needs are so much different than what a child or an adult with autism might be interested in. You know, a lot of times they're very social and very capable, but struggle in some areas that um, require a different type of programming because sitting and filling envelopes, for example, would be something that they might find very boring, although rote might be enjoyable for some. Um, they have capacities and abilities and interests that are far beyond that. So offering some programs that would help those individuals feel purposeful in life um, and bring them out of some of that anxiety and depression and the behaviors that result from that, that are really taking families under right now. Um, yeah. You know, a big driver for this passion that I have, like I mentioned before, is the families. And I work so closely with them. Many of them are like my own family. And um, they just keep that fire lit. They just, you know, when I start to feel like this is way too big, like I cannot do this on my own. I need a team. I don't know how to, I can barely survive just the business. How am I going to add this nonprofit? And then I have a conversation with them about, you know, they ended up in the ER with their child last night because he was melting down because of all of these challenges socially that he's having and emotionally and behaviorally and and they're just lost and it lights that fire even more. And um, I'm very thankful for them to be opening their hearts and their lives to me so greatly. You know, it's really intimate to get to that level with someone who's not a part of your immediate family. So, yeah, um, yeah. No, that's one, that. one of the, yeah, sorry. No, you're fine. That passion and desire to help, help children that are at that age at which they're starting to transition out of some of the current programming that's available and the options, just like when you were in the school and working as a teacher, the options for the teachers were a little bit limited as to what you were able to do, which made it challenging to really pursue that passion of the service you wanted to provide. Yep. Same kind of things happening now with the te older teens and young adults into adulthood, that some of those services 
from what I'm hearing, are not aligning with what you really could see being a value to those individuals and their families. And mm -hmm. being able to provide that, it, it really ignites that fire to see these children and families and some of the challenges that they experience on a day-to-day -day basis. And then you work very closely with them. So they do become like an extension of your, your family, mm -hmm. even though you're not immediate family, but there, there are just a lot of close relationships that you, you form with people that you serve on a regular basis. So I, I love, I love hearing that. So is there, is there any addition to it? I kind of interjected a little bit there. No, that was, that was good follow-up. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so that is one main driver, um, but we do want to cover as much of an age gap as possible okay. because there are so many individuals with that need. So um, offering summer programs for all ages and then some programming throughout the year for adults who don't have a, a home, a place. Um, so the beginning is kind of the social skills, recreational programming, um, offering support fa for families. Um, and there are some business models that I want to integrate in with the nonprofit to kind of feed back into that system. So I'm trying to learn more about that right now and how to make that all work. Um, yeah. But I don't want to be fully reliant on fundraising and hoping that somebody's going to come with millions of dollars to say, hey, this is a great idea. Thank you. Here's all this money. Uh, because the reality of that happening is slim to none. Um, sure. But God has plans that I have no idea how grand they are. So um, right. I have my full faith in him. And I do believe that although I've had this, this idea and this passion for 12 or 13 years, and I couldn't identify a board back then, now all of these other people are coming back into my life and new people coming into my life. And I, I just feel like it is God's timing and he's reminding me of that. So yeah. on those days when I feel like I'm so thankful for these families to light this fire, but I'm also so thankful for God to be blessing me with these reminders constantly and just to trust him and know that if it's, if it's meant to work, it will work and it will all yes. come to fruition in, in his time. And I need to be patient for that. And yeah. it gives me a lot of opportunity to gain more experience and do more research and tailor these programs so that I really am able to provide something to fill gaps and not just something that's going to create more overlap with the funding. So, um, yeah, the plan, I guess, in phase three is really we'd like to have some transitional housing and offer okay. the opportunity for long term housing so that, you know, these kids can be in a safe in more of a tailored environment as they learn how to live on their own. But because it's part of the center, they have all these programs that they can do and a lot of systems and practices in place for getting them out and learning about the world other than just living in a group home and, you know, kind of whatever that might transpire to, because yeah. it's really scary for a lot of families, especially if their child is nonverbal. <laughs> so, sure. um, so we have that. And then the other portion of it that, well, two parts. One, no ABA. We're not doing anything with ABA. Uh -huh. um, I don't want to have a research-based approach unless it's something new that we can conduct research and find something that's a new model that could work. Um, 
that maybe isn't like super scientific and rigid, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, which I don't know if that's even a thing, but um, it's ideal. So, um, yeah. and the other part is um, we want to have a wellness center that is part of this building, part of this model, part of this nonprofit, because so much of what we're seeing in autism and related, you know, ADHDs and all of these other challenges our um, diet and movement and sleep and mindfulness. And they're just all these components that are attacking our nervous system all the time and, and spinning everyone into a fury. And it's not just the kids, but then their families as a whole. And so many of the families are low income. So they don't understand or have the I shouldn't say they don't understand because they do. <laughs> they might mm -hmm. not have the resources or the capacity from their past experience yeah. to provide what they know is best. And so right. part of what we want to do at the center is teach them how to change those habits and create a new mindset, create a new lifestyle for them and their families to give them new opportunities. Um, so we'd like to have some functional medicine doctors and, you know, chiropractors and some more holistic functional medicine approaches to the treatment versus just, you know, oh, you're dealing with that issue. Well, try this medication now. Yeah. We don't really maybe see the changes and the results that we'd like. Okay. Well, you definitely have continued to expand upon the vision since when we last spoke about this a little bit uh, approximately a year ago. I don't remember exactly when that was, <laughs> but um, it's really, really great to hear about the continued thought that's giving going into this into expanding into those different phases and what you'd like to see. Oh, I'm going to ask a question that I already feel like I might know the answer to, but if you were <laughs> to be given a million dollars today to invest into your business or another endeavor, what would you do with that and why? It's such a good question. And it seems so simple. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and you know, a million dollars these days doesn't go too far. So um, I think investing some for a future would be intelligent, mm -hmm. um, but the rest, you are correct. I would definitely put it toward getting this mission up and off the ground. Um, yeah. It would impact families' lives to a degree that I can't put words to, and that would be my legacy. And I just want yeah. to give that to the community. So, Yeah definitely would would put it in that direction a legacy with an impact that's long lasting i love to hear that now if somebody wanted to hear more about this project and the work that you're doing is there any are there any resources currently out there that you're putting out to just kind of promote awareness or is that still kind of in the earlier phase so not quite out there yet mm -hmm. definitely in the early stages okay. so there's nothing out there yet um okay i have a website for my business yeah but um it's pretty basic i did do sure. so much word of mouth that i'm really terrible at updating websites and social media you know whenever i i wanted to get on a couple of weeks ago i thought oh, i should probably update my business instagram sure. and you know put something new out there it's fresh and Yep. I couldn't even remember how to switch accounts and get on there. So yeah. it's been way too long and I might need to spend some time revisiting that. Um, but it is a, a good thought to get something rolling like that. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I know that there are people who 
they, they share a similar heart or desire to help people, but they don't have either the time or capacity or knowledge to know what to do to help, but they might have financial resources. So, mm -hmm. you know, definitely over time wanting to, I, I strongly encourage you to get that word out there in some capacity and begin kind of showing that vision and declaring that vision and bringing out that awareness. So over time that you can have people that may come out of the woodworks or that, that may feel it on their heart to contribute and some capacity, whether it's uh, manual labor coming and helping out with something right. physical or financial in regards to the, the resources that are needed in order to make this uh, effort effective and, and workable. So absolutely. But you do have a website. So people want to check out just the, the foundation of what you're doing now. Um, what is that website? It's autismforwardinc.com. Okay. All right. So encourage people to check out Michelle's website, just autismforwardinc.com and get ready because more information is coming soon about the nonprofit <laughs> and the work that she and the other families that she's working with on this project are continuing to work on and going to be putting in place in the future. So Michelle, I want to thank you again for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. I'm so excited for all you're doing too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more soon. I look forward to, to hearing more. Yeah, right back at you. Thanks, Zach.